Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six, verse fifteen. Amen. I like to thank Pastor Campbell. I like to thank Pastor Wayman Mitchell, and I also like to thank my pastor, uh, Pastor Larry Mitchell. It's because of these men uh, that I stand here this morning, that I'm standing here today. So I like to say from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, appreciate your exampleship, your leadership, your guidance, and your direction. I was reading a book by Chuck Swindoll, and in it, it had an article I want to share with you uh, this morning. It actually was a want ad that he had found somewhere, and so I want to share it with you this morning. It's wanted, minister for growing church. It says, must have experience as shepherd, CEO, office manager, educator, salesman, diplomat, referee, writer, theologian, politician, motivational speaker, Boy Scout leader, psychologist, social worker, funeral director, wedding consultant, master of ceremony, church planter, and missionary. Helpful but not essential, landscape manager, interior decorator, musician, <laughs> minor league athlete, stand-up comedian. Should have answers to life's toughest questions about suffering, dying, God's sovereignty. Must hold convictions on every topic, but not allowed to ruffle anyone's feathers. Must think as deeply as C.S. Lewis, preach as passionately as C.H. Spurgeon, listen as attentively as James Dobson. Sweet disposition required at all times, even when attacked or simply having a bad day. Must have wisdom and experience of age but energy and glow of youth, required to attend every potluck dinner, yet remain slim. (laughs) 24-hour-a-day availability, a must be provided. Must spend quality time with family. Applicant's wife must be both stunning and plain. Quiet, yet outgoing. She should keep her home immaculate, but be available to teach Sunday school, organize socials, and disciple women. Applicants' children must be exemplary in conduct and character, yet no different from other kids, decently dressed. Salary not commensurate with experience or need, no overtime pay, frequent criticism, non-smoking, non-dancing, non-movie viewing environment, and equal opportunity employer. Now listen, there is no way that you and I, as pastors and leaders, can be all of that to everybody. This is why it is vital that you and I, as pastors and leaders, move people into a position that will cause them to see 
the bigger picture, it is so important that you and I move them into the realm of the supernatural. This is what conference is all about. We want our people to have a see the bigger picture. You want to go to conference, see the bigger picture. It's more than just us. There are greater things. There are more lands. There's vision. There's guidance. There's direction. We want you to go to conference and bring that vision back home and set this local place on fire. We want you to notice that you're a part of something much bigger than what's going on in these four walls. It is vital that they see the big picture and that we move them into the realm of the supernatural. Because the issue is not what can I do or what can the church do, but the issue is what can God do? Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to preach about the big picture this morning out of 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to begin reading at verse 15. The Bible says these words, And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Notice the army is surrounding the city. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Notice the horses and chariots of fire are around Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, I'm sorry, verse 18. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, this is not the way. I'm sorry, we'll stop at verse 18. He said, strike them with blindness, and he did according to the words of Elisha. I want to consider, first of all, people's need for direction. We live in a generation where people... Don't like being told what to do. Can you say amen? We have parents who are at a loss when it comes to raising children because they just won't listen. Personally, I've never had this problem with my children. But I hear tell that there are a lot of people who have this problem. I could tell my kids to sit down in front of a lion and they wouldn't move. They'd rather deal with that lion than deal with dad. <laughs> but there are people who are at a loss in raising children because they just won't listen. Teachers and educators are flabbergasted at the disobedience, rebellion, and violent nature of today's youth. The criminal justice system is filled with people who refuse to listen and conform. Listen to me. If you're going to get anywhere in life and make it to heaven in the afterlife, it's going to be because somebody told you what to do. Part of the reason I'm here this morning is because in 1988, Pastor Bob Alvarez looked me in the eye, pointed his finger at me and said, be a man. Listen, I wasn't gay, so don't look at me like that. 
I wasn't helicopter man or slipper boy that they talked about earlier. But he said, be a man. And he began to tell us men what to do, how to be a man, how to be on time, how to be a punctual, how to be punctual, not be a punk, but how to be punctual. <laughs> if you're going to make it, it's going to be because somebody told you what to do. Look at the words of Ezra chapter 10 and verse 12. The Bible says, then all the assembly answered and said with a loud voice, as you have said. So must we do. Mark chapter 6 and verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He began to instruct them. He began to tell them what to do. Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. The Bible says, and the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what to do. Now, this is the great educated man, the great apostle Paul. He probably had more learning than most of the church and and he probably been a man of position and power. But God is letting him know from the beginning, from the onset, from his first day of conversion, that now somebody is going to tell you what to do. And in our text, we find a man crying out for direction. And he says, alas, master, what shall I do? I'm convinced that the people who populate our pews and congregate in our churches, they're there because they need direction. I know they'll give you an attitude at times and act like they have it all together, but it all it takes is a couple of months of ministry, and you can see through the front and the, and the charade, they need direction. They need direction to the cross. They need direction to the altar. They need direction to heaven, and they need direction in life because the enemy has come in and surrounded them, and now he's moving in for the kill. Their minds, their morals, their marriages, their money have all been surrounded by the enemy, and here they are in the text of our congregations the enemies surrounding their soul, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And they cry out to you and say, alas, pastor, what shall I do? Listen, the people sit in our congregations because they need direction. And I want to tell you something else, pastor. They sit in your congregation because they need direction from you. So don't be afraid to take your people over to another fellowship church. Well, I don't want to take them there. They might, they might like that church better than mine. Let me tell you something. They do like it better than yours. <laughs> I don't have a problem with my people liking Colleen Church better than my church. I like Colleen Church. But there are some of you so afraid to take your church over to another church. Revival's coming. A great evangelist with years of consecration and hearing from God is coming. And Pastor Mitchell's coming. And Pastor Campbell's coming. Dennis Wright is coming. Marty Carnegie is coming. Alvin Smith is coming. M.L. Wells is coming. Listen. (laughs) 
you're so afraid to take your people over to another church because you're scared they might put a nickel in the offering. Or they might like that one better than yours. Or they might not want to come back. Listen, they ain't going to come back anyway if they're going to stay there. And don't worry, we're fellowship. The principles of Philemon will kick in. In Philemon chapter, one chapter, Philemon verse 12, (laughs) Philemon verse 12, Paul says, I'm sending him back. I'm sending him back. Part of the strength of our church there in Temple is the relationship we have with the Colleen Church. Man, we love that church. We love our pastor, Pastor Mitchell. We love everything about it. We love Pastor Guzman. Man, we just love it. We can't wait to get down there. Right, church? (laughs) Paul says, I'm sending them back. Take your people over there. Be a part of it. Are we a fellowship or not? Well, you know, I was, I'm from Pastor Ruby's. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Mark Olson's. I'm, I'm from Tom Payne's. You know, well, yeah, we're a fellowship, but, you know, well, well. Well, what? Well, what? Where was I? <laughs> Notice in the scripture that they sent an army after one man. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it was a great army. Why would they send an army after one man? Because this one man lived in the supernatural power of God. You see, when you've got the goods, they send the big dogs. They don't just send the little Boy Scout demons. They sent an army after one man. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenlies. He says, listen, if we're going to overcome this man, he's got some goods. This man operates in the supernatural power of God. You better send an army after this guy. But when they sent this army... The servant is the first one to see him. The servant is the first one to see the attack coming. And the servant says, alas, master, what shall we do? Now notice, Elisha didn't grab the young man and say, let me pray for you. You're just going through some things. I bind fear. I bind doubt. I bind unbelief. I bind a demon of discouragement. You're just going through some things. You know, sometimes people are going through real things. Sometimes they're real demons. They're real devils. They really are surrounded by the enemy. And so Elisha uh, didn't just grab this man and slap him around and say, well, you just need to grow up. Elisha began to operate in the supernatural. And he says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. That's what the people need sometimes. They need to see pastor operating in the supernatural. Open his eyes that he could see. Elisha was a man that God spoke to. The Bible says in verse 12 of our text that God even told Elisha what this man was speaking in his bedroom. Now, you got to have quite a relationship with God for God to tell you the intimate things that a person is speaking in the intimate parts of their life. 
but he had a walk with God. And Elisha, from the words that God spoke to him, was able to speak to the king, speak to the people of God, and cause them to avoid calamity. And cause them to avoid some of the heartaches and headaches and the attacks of the enemy because he was able to get a word from God. You see, right here, right now, it was not the time for quick wit or fancy illustrations. Now was the time for a demonstration of God's power. This man needed supernatural direction. There come a day, pastor and leader, that you won't be able to laugh your way out of the jam. There'll come a day when you won't be able to use quick wit and fancy sayings to try to just cause people to laugh and feel better when they get out of your office. There's going to come a day when you need the supernatural power of God operating in your ministry. This man needed supernatural direction. Secondly, I want to consider as your ministry grows, so much your ability to operate in the supernatural. I was reading an article I want to share with you, and uh, I think this article is actually about a year old. I keep a folder of articles, and this one came out right on time. Yeah, February 705. And it, says, it speaks about parano- paranormal events. It's an AP article out of Hong Kong. Hollywood star Canoe Reeves said he trained with an exorcist for his latest film, Constantine. And he was relieved that no supernatural forces plagued the movie. There was no paranormal events that took place on the film that I know of, thank God, said Reeves, 40, who plays the title character of Constantine. Now listen, a man who battles to send back demons to hell. He describes his character as a world-weary and nihilistic guy with a heart of gold adopted from the DC Comics series. The film will have its world premiere in Hong Kong on Tuesday, 10 days before opening in the U.S. So you see, here's a man that in the movie, he's sending demons back to hell. He's casting out devils. But in real life, he said, thank God they ain't show up. (laughs) It's just make-believe and pretend. We have too many make-believe ministers today. And they're just saying, thank God they ain't show up. But they will show up. And they'll sit on the front row. And they'll disrupt the service. And they'll have problems. And they'll have devils. And they'll have demons. And they'll have situations that the natural man don't have answers for. Many make-believe ministers today are writing books about the prayer of Jabez, but the only one getting rich is the author. Joel Osteen writes a book about your best life now, but my Bible says the best is yet to come. And listen, if you want a purpose-driven life, give your life to Jesus. But if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves reading books on the megachurch mentality, the power of positive thinking, but we'll soon learn that you can't counsel demons, and you can't cast out character. We need the supernatural power of God operating in our ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Too many of our church members have their faith in the wisdom of man and not in the power of God. In verse 27 of chapter 6 in 2 Kings, they are presented with a situation and this woman cries out to the king and the king responds to this woman, if God doesn't help you, what can I do? Their faith relies in the power of man. This is why they'll call you one or two o'clock at night. Pastor, give me another one of them jokes. They don't want nothing, but they need another word. Pastor, give me another one of them words, 3 o'clock in the morning. Listen, if God can't help you, I can't help you either. Bye. Click. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Listen, folks, in our church services... We need praying for the sick, contending for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, the laying on of hands, and not just when the evangelist comes. It should be a part of the service. We need God. If we're not careful, Pastor, we'll find ourselves reading our Bible to get a sermon, going into the prayer room just so our people see us, and only coming to church because, well, we got to preach. We'll end up giving great lectures and passionate orations, but have no supernatural dimension in our ministry. Is there a word from the Lord? That's what people need, a word from the Lord. The Bible says search the scripture, but we find ourselves searching Adam Clark and Barnes notes and and Matthew Henry more than we search the scripture. You know, sometimes the best commentary for the Bible is the Bible. They don't translate the Bible into English, y'all. Did y'all know that? <laughs> you can actually read it now and find direction for your life. Because sometimes I read those commentaries and I say, I could guess good as that, you know. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I want to consider the blessing of operating in the supernatural. There really is a tremendous blessing for operating in the supernatural. The first blessing for operating in the supernatural I want to consider with you this morning is it causes people's eyes to be open so that they can see the big picture. Verse 17 of our text, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. One of the trademarks of Jesus' ministry was he caused people to see the big picture. In John chapter 1 and verse 50, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said to him, Because I say to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. There's more to this. You ain't seen nothing yet. Verse 51, and he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the throne. Let me ask you, do you think Jesus had a problem getting that guy out to Wednesday night service? After telling him he's going to see the angels ascending and descending, heaven open, you're going to see great and mighty things. Too often we tell people what they can't do instead of what they can see. Listen, you're going to come here? Okay, let's talk about that TV. 
what's that smell on your breath? Listen, buddy, you're going to have a tough time serving God. Now, I don't know if they had Marlboro back then or if they was, you know, drinking Heineken's back then. But I'm quite sure maybe one or two of these disciples had a hang-up or a problem because we're all sinners. And one thing sinners like to do is sin. (laughs) And so I'm kind of figuring that they probably had a hang-up back then too. But Jesus didn't dwell on their hang-up. Jesus told them that you're going to, I want to show you a big picture. Man, you're going to see angels descending and ascending, coming upon us. You're going to see heaven open. They were probably like, wow, whoa. It's nice every now and then when people come in and say, man, God's going to use your life. He's going to use your life to count, to see nations touch, hearts change, people delivered. God's going to use your life to work miracles, signs, and wonders. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's nice to give them an encouraging word sometimes when they come in. We always want to get the dirt. Are they married? Are they shacking up? What is that, a pack of cigarettes? You know, we, we can, everybody can tell when folks got skull in their back pocket. You know, we don't have to point out all this stuff. <laughs> Jesus said, look what you're going to see. He's trying to show these men the big picture. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, he says, Do not say that there is still four months, then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He says, listen, there's more to this life than just you, what you're going through, your situation. I want you you to look at the big picture. The harvest is white and ready to be harvested. Look at that harvest. There are people right now ready to get saved. Did you know that, young man, young lady? There are people right now ready to get saved, waiting on the words that you're going to speak to them. The harvest is why. Well, you know, I, I haven't been here that long. How long is long enough? You've been here three years. Get your life ready to go. <laughs> Don't worry about being smart. I'm dumb as a rock, and look where I am. <laughs> look. I don't have a hang-up by calling myself dumb. I just know who I am. <laughs> don't worry. I, don't, I won't call you dumb, okay? Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he says to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, listen, there's a bigger picture than right here in Jerusalem. There's a bigger picture than what you've seen so far. There is a world to be. Listen, did your heart leap in you when you saw the video of India and Africa, as you're seeing Pastor Campbell's church go up in Mitchell's Plains, did something leap in you and say, man, I could do that. I could do that. That's so you can see the big picture. It's more than just what you're going through right here. There's a bigger picture. I remember in 1988, I believe it was, might have been 1987, Pastor Richard Ruby, the year he had just took over in San Antonio down there. They began to tell us, Pastor Mitchell's coming to San Antonio. I'm a new convert. And so I'm like, who's Pastor Mitchell? He said, he's, he's the leader of our fellowship. What's the fellowship? <laughs> After so many questions and answers, they said, listen, just come. <laughs> just come. So I went down there, and we're there in the, uh, in the atmosphere of all the churches from Austin, Colleen, the uh, uh, south, of, south of San Antonio and San Antonio itself. I'm like, wow, look at all these people. 
And then Pastor Mitchell stood up. I still remember the sermon to this day. He preached on family curses. I began to listen to his sermon. I'm like, I got some curses in my family. (laughs) We're messed up. (laughs) And after that, he began to pray for the sick. I'm like, wow, look at this. Folks began to get healed. Arms and legs and stuff began to grow out. Folks demonstrating that their back problem is gone. I'm like, wow, look at this. But something happened in me when I began to see the big picture. I'm like, wow, I wonder can God use me to do that? They were trying to get me to see the big picture. Listen, if people can't see the big picture, then they'll always be infighting and petty grievances. If you're going through a problem in your church where there's a bunch of infighting and petty grievances, it's because they're not looking at the big picture. Come to church and Sister Sally's still mad at Sister Betty. You know, that gets old. You know, Brother Bob and Brother Harry are arguing over who's the greatest in the kingdom. They don't see the big picture. You know why I get praying for the sick, why I like praying for the sick? I've seen my pastor do it so many times. I've seen, listen, when my pastor prayed for the sick, you're going to see arms grow, legs grow, things happen. If it don't happen, all right, you want to give your life to Jesus. You know? <laughs> That's why you ain't getting <laughs> I've seen my pastor say, look at this, an inch, two inches, shorter than the other. Down there holding people's feet in his head. That's nasty. (laughs) But he's down there holding people's feet in his hand. Praying with them. Believing God with them. Leading them into prayer and righteousness. And you see that leg grow out. It's like, wow. Wow. I remember one time, I forget where I was in a meeting, and uh, we're going to do this. We're going to pray for the sick. And the lady must have had about two inches shorter, two inches shorter than the other. And so I began to pray for the sick, and that leg grew out. The place went crazy. Not because the leg grew out, because I went crazy. Like, wow, look at this. Oh, oh my God. I saw my pastor do it. He was showing us the big picture. Also, (laughs) when people can see the big picture, when their eyes are open, they realize that it's not just them against the world. The Bible says in verse 16 of our text, And so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You're not in this fight alone. You know, when you realize you're not in this fight alone, you don't mind fighting. My family has 11 children, seven boys and and four girls. And and when you got that kind of family, you don't mind fighting. (laughs) Because you realize you're never going to fight alone. My brother was in school one time getting in a fight. You know how fights are. Everybody gathered around, everybody in the circles gathered. 
When I'm in class listening to the teacher, I think it was English class taking notes and learning about Shakespeare and all this stuff, and somebody busted the door open and said, Marvin, your brother's in a fight. I jumped up out the classroom right there. The teacher like, where are you going? You know? <laughs> I jumped up out the classroom right there, ran over to where my brother was because my brother was in a fight, and he needs to know, I don't care what kind of fight you're in, you're not going to fight alone. This is what Elisha is getting across to this servant, the man of God. I don't care who's surrounding you. You're not in this fight alone. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 7, You would chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 20 says these words, Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally there. Our God will fight for us. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 32, the Bible says, What shall I say? For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and, Sam, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the fiery, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong, became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. How are these common everyday people of God going to turn to flight the armies? Because our God is fighting for them. Another blessing of the supernatural is the people get to see their pastor in action. You know, pastor, sometimes people just want to see you in action. They want to see you on the street preaching corner, not just when it's time to make a road evangelism video. <laughs> oh, Lord, I better drink some water. <laughs> Verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. And so the Syrians came down and Elisha prayed, strike them with blindness, I pray. I believe part of the strength that came to this servant is he got to see his pastor in action. And I believe this is how Elisha gained the confidence to operate in the supernatural, by watching his pastor, Elijah. If you remember the story, Elisha's only claim to fame before he took up the mantle of Elijah was he quit his job. But he had been exposed to the supernatural power by his pastor. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 8. Now Elijah took up the mantle and he rolled it and he struck the water and it divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry land. And when this happened, Elisha is right there watching him. In verse 11, a chariot of fire and a horse of fire came down. And this is no uh, amazement to me that now Elisha again can see the chariots and the horses of fire. It goes on to say that Elisha went up in a whirlwind and all the while Elisha is watching all these supernatural events take place in his pastor's ministry. He's watching all this and now it's his turn. And so what am I going to do now that I'm surrounded by the enemy? 
I'm going to operate in the supernatural. Open his eyes, Lord. Strike them with blindness. And now he's tormenting the armies of the enemy. He's tormenting the devil. And the devil's not tormenting him. He, the Bible says in verse 19, this way, come follow me this way. No, they're going that way. Go this way. Wouldn't you like to tell the devil this way? No, 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 that way. Ha, ha, wrong devil. Ha, go this way. Ha, ha. And he led them into the camp of Samaria. And then he prayed again, Lord, open their eyes. He's operating in the supernatural. Now, when the king of Israel saw this, that the enemy has just been led to his camp, they're surrounded. He began to say to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? My father, you can almost see this man getting giddy. Can I, shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? Lord, can I, shall I kill him? Listen, church, we've killed too many people by not walking in the supernatural. By not seeing the big picture. Elisha says, don't kill him. What? Don't kill him. Verse 22. What are we going to do then? Feed him. Feed him. Well, we're ready to take that axe and kill him, aren't we, pastor? They ain't married. All right. I'll give him three weeks. <laughs> pastor, I think I saw Brother Billy smoking a Smoking a cigarette on the, on the job. That would be the last cigarette he smokes here. <laughs> I'm not condoning sin. I wish we'd all get people that just come in on the straight and narrow and ready to fly right, but they don't. And too many times we killed too many of them because we weren't walking in the supernatural. There's a woman came in our church. I called her and asked her would she mind if I shared her testimony. She said she wouldn't mind. As a matter of fact, she looked forward to it because she's excited about it. There's a woman came into our church. One of the ladies on our, in our church was witnessing on the job. Boy, ain't nobody write that revelation down, did they? <laughs> Witness on the job. <laughs> One of the ladies was witnessing on the job. As a matter of fact, there are two or three ladies in our church because this lady witnesses on the job. And this lady comes out, and her name's Vanessa. And she comes and says, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, sure, you can talk to me. I'll, you know, you know I'll, I'll let my people know, you know, they're not an inconvenience to me. You guys are the reason I'm here. You know, man, you can, you can, you can come talk to me. I, I, I know we got golf to play and boats to ride and horses to ride, and I know, but, but the people really are the reason you're there. I say, no, you're the reason I'm here. You're not inconvenient. You're not a bother. She said, well, my marriage is not going good. Okay. Then my husband, he has a girlfriend. He's messing around and comes home late and smells of perfume the whole, the whole, the whole nine yards. Now, all that was, is within me says the dirty dog. I didn't say this out loud. <laughs> I'm saying that's in the inside I'm saying the dirty, nasty dog. Listen, get yourself a good lawyer. Yeah. You, you ain't got to put up with that. Listen, you need to ride down to the child support office. I'll take you. I'll give you a ride down to the child support office. Because <laughs> part of my counseling is, listen, if he just refuses 
to do right, I'll tell you where the child support office is at. <laughs> Hit him in the wallet. He'll say, baby, I love you. <laughs> and she's telling me this, and the whole nine yards and all that's within me is sin. The dirty, nasty dog. Let's, listen, the old Marvin, listen, the old Pastor Marvin would have probably led that person down to divorce court. So you ain't got to put up that you're a child. You, you got some dignity about yourself. Lead that man. God will give you another. Right now, your husband will be the Lord, and you can just go on for God. And, and sh- <laughs> But God began to speak to me. This lady needs supernatural direction. She needs supernatural guidance. I said, let me ask you a question. I know the violations and the things that have gone wrong. Do you still love them? Through tears? sobs and say, you know, Pastor, I really do. I really do still love them. Let's begin to build on that love right there. That love. Because listen, he that is without sin, you find good looking Christians. <laughs> he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And let's begin to build on that love. Let's just begin to pray for your husband. Let's just begin to believe God. It didn't get better immediately. But eventually, her husband walked into church, bowed his knee, gave his life to Jesus. We baptized him a couple of weeks ago on the 4th of July at the lake. He's in church now, opening in prayer. How could all this happen? Had to show the big picture. Is more than just what you're going through. Also, finally, the big picture also helps people get their edge back. You can read previously to our text, the servant of the man of God said, Alas, master, it was borrowed. And because this man walked in the supernatural, he was able to cause this man to get his edge back. Because listen, we all know people who failed and who've fallen. But have you forgotten we've been given the ministry of reconciliation? that we can reconcile some people and redeem some people and bring them back into right relationship. When you walk in the supernatural, it causes people to get their edge back. I think I'm out of time. Am I out of time? Yeah, y'all ain't preaching next. That's why y'all saying that. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Pastor Romero is saying, get up. <laughs> there come a time when the axe will fall in the water. And it'll fall in too. You think the axe fell in the water? Well, just reach down there and pick it up. No, it fell in too deep this time. And it's too cloudy. And it's too murky down there. And it's too muddy. And you just can't jump in and get it. We're going to, you know, sometimes people do things that's real deep. And we're going to need the supernatural power of God if they're going to be restored. Oh, we can all cut people up. You shouldn't have never been there. Who told you to get a computer in the first place? You should have quit that job when I told you. You could just get out. What's going to happen if you need redemption and restoration? If people are going to get their edge back, it's going to be because there was a man operating in the supernatural, and he helped them get that edge back. I better stop. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, 
On the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.